And next, uh, we have a special reading from God's Word this morning. We'll read a passage from God's Word, and then uh, I'll pray and we'll jump right into the message. So, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to angel, "Uh, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your servants, for those who humbled themselves in your service, the service of the King of Heaven. Pray for Brandon as he brings a message this morning. I pray for us as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What an incredible story. That story of Mary and the angel visiting Mary. You know, Mary's world was a lot different than our world. She lived 2,000 years ago, and she lived on the other side of the planet. And don't you know that that meant that there was a lot of things that she had going on in her life that we can't even begin to relate to this morning because of the distance, the time and space that exists between us and between this story about Mary. But there are some things about humanity that transcends time and space. And Mary had a lot of things going on. For example, things that we can relate to. Mary had a vision for her future. You remember the story and what we just heard? She was engaged. What young woman who is engaged, doesn't have a vision for her future, right? She had an idea of where her life was headed. She may not have had all the details planned out and worked out yet, but she knew a general direction where she was going. She was a young woman, engaged to be married, and she had found a good man in Joseph. And they were excited about starting their life out together. Their whole lives were in front of them. And then... The angel showed up with God's message. When Gabriel delivered God's message to Mary, you realize that because of that message, everything changed for Mary. In an instant, without warning, she thought her life was moving in one direction, and then all of a sudden, 
she discovered that God had a plan that was going to take her life in an entirely different course. And it was a difficult course that God was calling Mary to walk. Mary's plans did not include being pregnant outside of wedlock. That was not part of Mary's plan. But after hearing God's message through Gabriel, it became clear that that was part of God's plan for Mary. Mary's plan did not include an unplanned pregnancy that would jeopardize her relationship with Joseph. But you remember what happened. There was even this point in time when Joseph thought he may just put her away quietly. Mary wasn't counting on that. That wasn't part of the plan. Mary's plan did not include the people of her community judging her for being without child when she was not yet married. But don't you know that she endured that, right? I mean, not everyone believed. In, in most cases, we know the teachings of God's word, and we understand that God has ordained for children to be born in a marriage relationship. And that's his design, and that's his purpose. But in this unique circumstance, God was calling Mary to something that he had never called anyone else in the entire world to do. He was asking her to do something that had never been done before Matthew 1:23 behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means god with us no virgin had ever been with child before what mary was about to embark on this journey was uncharted territory was then, is now, she's the only one that this has ever happened to in the course of human history. What would her parents think? Don't you think that that thought had to go through her mind at some point? What, was, what would Joseph think? What would the community think? This was not the future that she had envisioned for herself as a young woman get this most scholars say 16 years of age or younger she had not envisioned this for what the next several days weeks months years it ultimately altered the entire course of her life in this situation that mary found herself in there was an incredible opportunity for mary's emotions to get the best of her she really could have been led by her emotions. Like, it would have been easy to let her emotions get in the driver's seat and lead the way. But Mary did not respond out of those kinds of emotions. Those emotions that come with those situations and those circumstances that are outside of our control. Or when God is asking us to do something and it scares us or it, it worries us or it concerns us. She didn't make any decisions out of those kinds of emotions at all. Listen again to how Mary responded to this life-altering message from Gabriel. In Luke 1:38, and Mary said, "Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word." What an incredible example of faith. 
What an incredible response to God from this young woman. I know a lot of 30, I'm in my 30s, so I'm including myself, 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old Christians who could take a page out of Mary's playbook here. Who could be a lot less controlled by what they feel and a lot more controlled by something else. When she heard God's message, her response came from somewhere else besides her emotions. Her response came from her trust in God. That's where Mary's response came from. It came from her trust in God, not in what she felt. And that's why the title of this message this morning is, Oh My Soul, Trust God, Not What You Feel. Don't you know that you need to preach that to your own soul? That you need to preach to your own soul, trust God, not what you feel. Instead of trusting in what she felt, Mary trusted in God. And she trusted in God in two ways. And these are the two ways we're going to look at this morning. Mary trusted in God's promises in Scripture. And I'm going to show you that. That Mary trusted in God by trusting in His promises in Scripture. And then Mary trusted in God by trusting in what God had spoken specifically to her and about her. And we'll get to see that in the story as we go through this this morning. So instead of trusting in her emotions, Mary trusted in God's promises in Scripture. Mary's trust in the promises of God in Scripture is demonstrated in her life in several different ways. And I won't even go through all the ways that we could see it, but let me give you just a few examples. One example is this thing that we call a genealogy. Are you familiar with the genealogy? The list of names in the Bible, perhaps maybe your greatest familiarity with them this morning might be that it's that part that when you get to in the Bible, you kind of skim over real fast until you can get back to the story, right? That might be your familiarity with genealogies. But I tell you, Every word in the word of God is important and it helps us understand truths about God and about ourselves. And what this particular genealogy, it's tiny there, I didn't expect you to read it, but you can go read it in Luke 3. What this particular genealogy reveals is that Mary's family was a family of faith. When Mary saw herself as a young 16-year-old girl, she did not just see herself as a 16-year blip on the radar screen. Mary wasn't looking at herself in the lens of only 16 years of experience and what she had known in those 16 years and what she felt in those 16 years and the opinions that she had developed in those 16 years of life. When Mary looked at herself and her family, she had this. She had a lineage that traced back all the way. This lineage goes from her, from Jesus, all the way back to Adam. When she was looking at herself, now that's impressive to me. Going back to Adam, I mean, this week I actually sat down with my grandma Phyllis and we were working on a little bit of the family history that we have. And I was pretty impressed because I was able to trace back our family history to five generations. My great, great, great grandparents. I, I discovered their names and who they are and I thought, wow, that's a pretty good family history. I want you to know I have nothing on Mary. This is her family history. And she traced her lineage back to some pretty incredible people, back to David. She traced her lineage back to Judah. She traced her lineage back to Jacob and Isaac and Abraham and Noah and Enoch and Adam and Eve. She traced her lineage all the way back 
this was a family of faith. And when Mary looked at her life and she looked at her family and she looked at the purposes of God, she understood God's redemptive purposes through his people Israel, her family. So when she saw or heard this message from God, she trusted in the promises of God. In scripture, she was familiar with them. She was a woman of faith, and she didn't see herself just in this narrow view of her own experiences or her own emotions. She had this big picture. Okay, but that's just one. Another way that we know that Mary was trusting in the promises of God in Scripture is the angel's message to Mary. When God sent message to Mary, then he included in the message, here it is right here, specific prophecies from where from the scriptures and he encouraged mary's faith in the delivery of this message of this very difficult task that she was about to do he encouraged her faith through speaking these promises that mary would have been familiar with as a jewish woman remember what the angel said and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I want you to know that these kind of promises would have excited and encouraged the soul of Mary. Because she was a woman of faith who knew the scriptures. She knew the promises of God. And so her trust was not in just this moment. She had this bigger picture in view. Are you following me with that? Okay. And then one more, and I think it's the most convincing is just a few verses later in this story, just a few weeks had passed by, Mary made a visit to uh, Elizabeth, and while she was there, she wrote this song. And I want you to hear this song that Mary wrote. And you tell me, what kind of heart is this song born out of? Is this not a song that was written by a, a woman of faith who trusted in the promises of God? Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. Do you see it? Do you see her connection to the promises of God and her family in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring of which she was one forever. Now, come on, where does a song like this come from? It's born out of a heart that trusts in God and trusts in the promises of God, not in her circumstances, but in God and the promises of God's word. Rather than giving opportunity for the flesh and allowing some unhealthy emotions, which there was plenty of opportunity for that, to dominate her soul, Mary trusted in God by trusting in the promises of God's word. So that's the first. She trusted in God by trusting in God's promises in scripture. And here's the second. 
Instead of trusting in her emotions, Mary trusted in what God had spoken specifically to her and about her. What God was asking Mary to say yes to was not easy. And that's important for us to recognize. Sometimes some of our most difficult marching orders come from God himself. Some of our most difficult challenges come from something that God asks us to do. Saying yes to God's plan created all kinds of difficult circumstances in Mary's life. Things that she could have never imagined or envisioned for herself. But in every situation, Mary's soul clung to what God had specifically said to her and about her. Let me show you some things that God specifically said to her. When her relationship with Joseph seemed to be ending, Mary had this promise. She knew that she was highly favored of God. Remember what the angel said? Greetings, O favored one. You are highly favored of God. When she was far from home and she was giving birth in a stable that was built for animals and laying her baby in a manger that was a feeding trough, she knew that God was with her. Remember what the angel said to her? Greetings, O highly favored one. The Lord is with you. She had this promise, these these things that God had said specifically to her that no matter what she faced, her soul could cling to these promises that God had given her. When she wept at the tomb of Jesus after witnessing the brutal murder of her firstborn son, she knew this truth that nothing will be impossible with God. Mary's soul was anchored in her confidence that God would be faithful to everything that he had spoken to her. She simply did not allow her feelings to determine the outcomes in her life. Mary trusted in God's promises in Scripture and in what God had specifically said to her and about her. I think Mary's a pretty incredible example, don't you? Someone like that I would want to be like. She had this great perspective of her own life. It was not limited to these things, you know, what was happening today. It was broader than that. It was based on the promises of God in his word, and it was based on the specific things that God had spoken to her and about her. And rather than trusting in her feelings, Mary trusted in God by trusting in those promises and trusting in those things that God had spoken to her. Before you leave this place this morning, God's put a burning message in my heart for me to talk to you about, and I think Mary's an incredible illustration of it. I don't want you just to know what God wants you to do, but I also want you to understand how to do it, okay? So look at this with me. What does God want you to do? Well, what God wants you to do is to be like Mary. That's what God wants you to do. I think we can advance a couple slides there. God wants you to, there it is. God wants you to be like Mary. He wants you to trust him and not in your emotions. That's what God wants you to do. I I don't want you to leave here without knowing that's what God wants you to do. Trust him and not in your emotions. Instead of allowing your emotions to be in the driver's seat of your life, God wants you to trust him. (laughs) 
after doing it wrong for a really long time, something you can know about me is that I used to say, I'm not a very emotional person. That was a phrase that used to come out of my mouth. And I really thought that about myself because I didn't wear my emotions on my sleeve like some people that I knew, right? Some people tend to wear their emotions on their sleeves more. Others tend to bottle them up inside. But what I've come to discover is I am a very emotional person. And when my emotions are out of control, so is my decision making. And just because I don't wear my emotions on my sleeves doesn't, doesn't mean that they're not impacting me in a very significant way. So after doing it wrong for a really long time, I finally learned that my emotions make a terrible Lord over my life. And in case you haven't realized it yet, I want to do you a kindness this morning and say to you, your emotions make a terrible Lord over your life. What you feel, your opinions, how you think apart from God is not good. Your emotions make a terrible Lord over your life. What you and I often feel often doesn't agree with God or agree with his truth. When you respond out of emotion, you hurt yourself. You hurt people that you care about. And you miss out on God's best for your life. Just think about what Mary would have missed out on if she had allowed her situation and her circumstances to determine her response. If she would have given in to an unhealthy thought or an unhealthy emotion and she would have started spiraling on that and allowed what she felt to determine what she did instead of trusting in God. Think about what she would have missed out on experiencing. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she experienced God's power in a personal way. She would have missed out on that. The life of God entered Mary's body and she became God's vessel to bring Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world, into our world. She would have missed out on that. Mary's child is the greatest blessing the world has ever known. Throughout his life on this earth, no other human had a closer relationship with Jesus, God incarnate, than his mother Mary throughout his years. She would have missed out on that. Mary had a front row seat to the miracles and teaching of Jesus in the flesh on this earth. She would have missed out on that. Mary was a first-hand witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And most importantly, through Jesus, God brought about personal salvation to Mary's own soul. And her spirit was raised from death to life. And she would have missed out on that had she not aligned herself with God. What an incredible blessing of God that she would have missed out on had she allowed what she felt to determine what she was going to do. You know, the first time that God entered Mary's life, he exited again when Jesus was born. But when God entered Mary a second time, he raised her dead, sin-filled spirit. He put that to death and raised her to a new life in Christ. And Mary received that resurrection power and is with God for all of eternity 
And it all comes back to this moment when Gabriel makes an announcement and says, Mary, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. He has chosen you. Nothing is impossible with God. And she believed him. She believed what God said to her. So what God wants you to do is God wants you to be like Mary. God wants you to trust him and not what you feel. He does not want your decision making to come from your circumstances and the challenging emotions that come with them. And I know some of you have some difficult circumstances and some very challenging emotions that you're facing with those circumstances. And yes, acknowledge those feelings. And yes, get transparent about what you're feeling. You know, God just never, it just never fails. It never seems like he misses an opportunity with me personally because he loves me and cares about me. This week, I had extra opportunities to have extra hard emotions as I was writing this message to share with you this morning. God doesn't want me to make decisions based on what I feel or my circumstances. He wants me to anchor my soul in him. Now, I did have this opportunity. I text Pastor Jerry. I text the guys that I meet with this week. Jeremy's one of them. There's others in here that I texted this week. I got transparent. I didn't bottle my emotions up inside. I didn't pretend like they don't exist. I didn't act like I wasn't feeling something when I was feeling something. I faced my emotions head on. But at the end of the day, this was my decision. I will subject my emotions to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That was the decision. And that's what God wants you to do. Your emotions make a terrible Lord over your life. He wants you to subject them to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Even if you don't feel like doing it, he wants you to do it anyway. Even if you don't feel like saying that truth to your own soul, he wants you to speak it to your own soul anyway. If you don't feel like getting transparent, be honest. He wants you to get transparent and be honest anyway. God wants you to be in charge of your emotions under the Lordship of his Holy Spirit and not let your emotions rule your life. If your emotions have been in the driver's seat, make the change from being led by your emotions, by being led by what you feel, to trusting in God and in his word. So let's switch the question. We said, what does God want you to do? He wants you to be like Mary and not let the emotions be in charge. How, though? Isn't that important? Like, you shouldn't leave here this morning without knowing how. How do you make that change? If the emotions have been in the driver's seat, how do you get them out of the driver's seat? And how do you put Jesus in the driver's seat and let him be the one to lead your life? How do you switch from following your emotions to trusting in God? Well, like Mary, you must trust in what God has specifically said to you and about you. And I want to tell you just a little bit of that this morning. And I could, tell, I could tell you a lot a bit of that because this changed my life. Believing what God said about me set me free from bondage to sin. It changed my heart. It changed the way I make disciples. It changed the way I love my kids. It changes the way I love my wife. It changes the calling and my understanding of God's purpose in my life. Believing what God has specifically said to me and about me has changed everything about my life. It changed everything about Mary's. It changed everything about mine. And if you'll believe what God has said, it will change everything about yours. And so I'm going to explain it to you the best I know how. But one way I like to talk about this is to say this is the whole gospel. 
okay? And here's what I mean by that. In America, we have this real tendency to preach the really, a really good part of, about the gospel. It is part of the whole gospel. This is exciting news that I'm about to tell you, but we tend to normally stop it short. Let me show you what I mean. Here's what we say. Now, you know that you're a sinner and that your sin separates you from God. And there's nothing that you can do to make your relationship right with God again. No amount of trying or good works or anything that you could conjure up on your own could make you right in the presence of a holy God. And because of your sin, you are separated from God for all of eternity. If it's left up to you, that's your eternal destination. But God loves you. And because you could not do what was required in order to come back into relationship with God, God has done for you what you could never do for yourself. And he has made a way through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, for all your sins to be forgiven past, present, and future. And when he came and lived a perfect life in this world, he died a sinner's death, even though he never sinned. He died a sinner's death on the cross, taking on himself the full wrath of God that you deserve justly for your sins. And he satisfied God's wrath towards sin. And then he died. And he took your sins and my sins to the grave. And he was buried there and he remained there three days. But on the third day from prophecy, he even prophesied about this himself. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death. And whoever will put their trust in Jesus and believe on him for the forgiveness of sins and devote their life to follow him as Lord, they will receive the forgiveness of sins and be made right in their relationship with God. Amen? That's the gospel. That is what Jesus has done for us. And then we stop right there. And we leave out the rest of the good news. And it's the rest of the good news that changed my life. And it will change yours. And it will get your emotions out of the driver's seat. Because the reason your emotions are in the driver's seat is that you think that what you feel defines who you are. And that's because you're not believing the truth about who God says you are. The specific promises of God from the scripture and what God has specifically said to you and about you. Because, hey, Mary at this time, now she's a child of God, but Mary at this time of this visit, she was a child of Abraham. Don't you know that you're a child of the most high God? That that is who you are? That he has actually changed you? That who you used to be is dead and gone? And that you've been raised to a new life in Christ? And I'm not talking about a future resurrection. I'm talking about the resurrection that if you're in Christ, you have already experienced. That you are new in Christ. I call it believing the whole gospel. Because we shouldn't stop at just believing that our sins are forgiven. We have to believe that what he has done has made us new and that we have a new life in him. You are a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are a partaker of the divine nature, 2 Peter 1, 4. Do you know what that means? You used to have a sin nature. If you were dead in your trespasses and sins, or if you're there now, you had a sin nature. That's, that's what it is. Your nature was to sin. Your nature was to do evil. God put to death that sin nature and raised you up with a new nature that you are a partaker of his divine nature. 
That means everything that is about God, like his heart, is who you are. Let me tell you about it. His love is your love. 1 John 4, 13 through 21. His life is your life. Galatians 2, 20. His truth is your truth. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. His reality is your reality. His purpose is your purpose. What he wants is actually what you want. Whether you feel like you want that or not, it is what you want. Because you're a partaker of the divine nature. He, you have his mind. You have his truth. You have his spirit. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Raised with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are a new creation in Christ. That is who you are. Whether you feel like it or not. If you are in Christ, that is your reality. You didn't receive the salvation of sins and forgiveness of sins based on your own merit. And you didn't receive this identity based on your own merit. It's all grace. It's what God has done. He has given it to you freely. Will you walk in faith in it? Will you trust that this is true? Will you trust in the promises of Scripture like Mary did? And will you trust in the specific things that God has said to you and about you? I want to give you an illustration how I use this with my own kids. Um, because in discipleship of my own children, this is one of the most important things that Rachel and I emphasize with our kids because we want them to see themselves the right way. I love how Mary saw herself. She saw herself the right way and her response to God was awesome. I want my kids to see themselves the right way so that their response to God can be awesome if they choose to follow him. The other day we're working on something with the family and you know uh, in case I, it's been a few weeks since I shared this but um, our family's grown recently. We have three kids of, uh, that were born to us, and then we have three kids that have come to live with us through DHS. And so right now we've got a big family and a big household. And you know what happens when that happens, right? Sometimes the emotions get going a lot. I mean, the more people you add, it's like exponential, the way that those emotions tend to build up. And I'm having a conversation with one of my older two daughters just the other day. And we're talking about, hey, why don't you go love one of the younger ones in the family? You know, um, it makes a big difference in their life. Could you just go and maybe play with them? Maybe tell them, hey, today I would like to do whatever you would like to do. What do you want to do? Let's play together. Okay, so just a pretty normal parenting environment if you've ever been in that kind of environment before. But here's what one of my older daughters said. She said, well, Dad... What if I don't feel like doing that? Should I just lie? Should I just go to them and lie and say, sure, I'd like to do whatever you want to do today and just tell them a lie? Well, for us, it's a gospel conversation opportunity. And we started talking and she responded very well to this truth that, hey, who you are means that this is what you want to do. If God is asking you to do this, whether you feel like it in your flesh or not, whether you feel like it in your emotions or not, his love is your love. And if God is putting this on your heart to be a blessing to these younger children, then what you need to do is just agree with him. In fact, and hear me on this because this will give you power to win. When you're agreeing with your flesh and your emotions, that's when you're actually lying. You're saying, I don't want to, that's a lie. 
I don't, now, I don't feel like it. I can get behind that. You understand the difference, right? I know your flesh may not feel like it, but I don't want to as a lie because you're speaking to your own identity, and that is not your identity in Christ. And there's power in that. When you preach that gospel to your soul and you wake up every day and you say, this is who I am. You know, it doesn't just happen with my children. I do it all the time with myself. All the time. When I wake up and I don't want to get out of bed. When my wife doesn't meet my expectations. Normally it's because of my bad expectations, by the way, not my wife. Just want to clarify that. When my flesh thinks that sexual sin will make me feel better. When I feel like reacting and disciplining my kids out of frustration or out of my own self-interest instead of out of love. When I want to say something not nice and lay on the horn at the car in front of me. When I turn to food or a substance or something else to help me cope with my emotions or when I feel like I want to do that when I want to blow off my responsibilities and veg in front of a TV, when I don't feel like doing hard, the hard work of relational discipleship, and it is hard. I am not what I feel. I am who God says that I am. And so in all those circumstances, how do we win? How do we overcome? How do we get our emotions out of the driver's seats? We believe the truth of God's word. We believe what he has said specifically to us and about us. And we agree with him and we say, I am not what I feel. I am who God says I am. I am what God says about me. And then I preach the gospel to my own soul. And then I preach it again. And then I preach it again. And I remind myself that his love is my love. His truth is my truth. And I'm not going to go back through the whole list, but you get it, right? I hope you're getting it. This truth will change your life. What God wants you to do is to trust in him and not in what you feel. How God wants you to do it is to do it just like Mary did it. And here's the reminder. Trust in the promises of God in scripture and trust in what God has specifically said to you and about you. So I just told you several of the promises of God in scripture and several of the things that God has specifically said to you and about, about you. The question is, do you believe them? Do you believe that what I told you this morning is true? Do you, can you trust in those promises? When your emotions are leading you astray, will you come back to those promises and trust in them? You know, if you're going to win over your emotions by trusting in the promises of God, this is going to have to become pretty personal to you. Let me not undersell it. Very important in your life. It's going to have to become primary in your life to know and be able to know them so well that you can preach them to yourself, the promises of God and what he says to you and about you. Because you're going to get into that emotional situation and you're just going to space. You're not going to be able to remember, who am I? What does God say? I don't know, but I feel pretty angry right now, so I think I'm just going to go handle it this way. And that's what you're going to do if you don't know the promises of God's word so well that you can preach them to your own soul when your emotions are trying to derail you and lead you another way. Or when our enemy, which he is so cunning to do, whispers lies in your ear to try to get you to believe something about yourself that you are not. You've got to know the truths of God's word. You must discipline yourself to learn the truths about who you are based on what God has said and not based on what you feel. And you must learn to preach those truths to your own soul. And let me encourage you in this. You need to get around people that are really good at preaching it to their own soul because that's how you'll learn. 
You get in a small group with people, you get transparent about your emotions, and then don't stop with just, yeah, so that really stunk, and I'm really not sure what to do about it, but, you know, if you guys will just pray, that'd be great. Ask them, what do I do? Ask them, what truth am I missing here? Ask them, what should I be saying? What should I be believing right now? Help me and let them speak the truth to you. And man, church, if someone does that with you, don't be jumping into your own opinions on that issue. Tell them what the word of God says. Tell them what God says about them. That's where the power's at. It's not in your thoughts. It's in his thoughts. But let's be that kind of church. Can you imagine what could be accomplished through a group of people like this if we weren't trusting in what we felt, but we trusted in the word of God? And what he said about us. And that's what determined how we lived in the decision making in our lives. That's what God wants. God wants us to be like that. So here's your response. Your time for your response. First, if you don't know Jesus and have a personal relationship with him, what I've shared with you this morning does not apply to you. Your spirit's still dead. And you still have a sin nature. And the only way that's going to change is if you humble yourself and come to God and say, I am a sinner. I can't fix this, God. Jesus, please save me. If you'll respond to God like that, here's what he'll do. Not only will he forgive your sins, but he will put to death your old life and raise you to a new life in Christ. And you'll share his life and his spirit. And you'll experience his power in your life like you've never known it before. And that's the starting point. You can't preach these truths to your own soul or trust in the promises of God when those promises don't apply to you. So the first thing you have to do is come to Jesus. Repent of your sin and let him make you new in Christ. And then all these promises can apply to you. And then you can fight these emotions this way and you'll experience power like you've never known before. But you've got to be willing to humble yourself and take that step. And I wonder, is Jesus personally calling someone in this room today to come to him, to repent of their sins and to find a new life in him? Well, if that's you, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And when we do, I want to encourage you to come. And when you come, talk to one of our pastors or their wives. And let the Lord change you from the inside out. Become a new person in Christ. But before I even invite you to come, would you just bow your head and pray right where you are? If you're that person this morning, you're here because God wants you to be right with him. And find new relationship with him. Then you just pray. Pray this with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I have really messed up. And I can't make this right on my own. But Jesus, I believe that you sent, you came. You were sent by your father and you came to live the perfect life I can never live and to die the death that I deserve to die because of my sin. And I believe that it's enough. That I don't have to do anything or get my life right in any way to come to you, but I can come to you by faith in Jesus and you'll make me right with you. Thank you, God, for what you've done for me. I give my life to follow you. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to know, in Jesus' name, your sins are forgiven. And you have a new life in Christ. And in a moment when our pastors come forward, I want you to come tell them because they want to celebrate with you and pray with you this morning. And then some of you, you know the Lord. You know Jesus. You have a personal relationship with Him. God's desire for you is that you would not trust in what you feel, but that you would trust in His promises and what He has specifically said to you. To do that, you're going to need to trust in His Word. The Bible reveals the truth about who you are because of what God has done for you. You must believe it, and you must choose to renew your mind in it every day. Would you say this with me? I am a new creation in Christ. His love is my love. His purpose is my purpose. His joy is my joy. His peace is my peace. His goodness is my goodness. His grace is my grace. I will follow you, Jesus. Doesn't that feel good to preach those truths to your own soul? Amen, doesn't it? It's because of what he's done. Now preach it to your own soul and then preach it again and then preach it again. And next time one of those nasty emotions pop up that want to derail you from doing the will of God, preach it again, preach it again, and don't stop preaching it until he comes. And we shed off this flesh and the problems in it and our bodies are resurrected and we're new with Christ in every way forever in a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. That's our hope, and that's where we're headed. But in the meantime, to live is Christ, and we put off the flesh, and we put on the Spirit, and we walk according to His life that He has given us. Amen? Will you do it this morning? I'm going to ask our pastors and their wives, if you're available, if you would just come forward to the front so that we can close with a time of prayer. And this time of prayer is open to anyone who would like to respond, and, and so is the altar while we sing. If you want to come and just pour your heart out to the Lord here and kneel in prayer. But I specifically want to invite anyone here first, if you are choosing to follow Jesus today, that you come pray with somebody here and talk to them. They want to talk to you about your next step in following Jesus, which is baptism. And it's a pretty fun thing to do. So you come and talk to them about that. And then if you're already a follower of Jesus, maybe you are really connecting with this message this morning because you see right now that your emotions are leading you, that your emotions are in the driver's seat. If that's you, would you come and pray with one of our pastors or one of their wives? Would you talk to them this morning about, just be transparent about what's happening in your life and just let them help preach the gospel to you this morning and pray together and preach the gospel to your own soul. Respond to the Lord in that way. So this time of prayer is open to anyone who would like to receive prayer. So would you stand with us this morning? Pastor Seth is gonna lead us in a song. And as we do, you come and receive prayer 